All right, everybody. Well, welcome once again to the Rec Poker Podcast, episode 160, the first episode of the year 2020. Uh, we're pretty excited that uh, we survived another year. So here we are uh, to to bring you our enjoyment of this journey that we call Rec Poker. Uh, as always, we are sponsored by Running Aces Racetrack and Casino. Uh, they have actually uh, increased their sponsorship in a sense. They are they've always been the official sponsor of the podcast. They are now the official sponsor of all things Rec Poker, and uh, we're going to be talking a bit today about some of those things coming up in 2020. And uh, we're excited to have them on board for all of the cool things that we have going. And we are also sponsored by Learn Pro Poker. Uh, that is Ryan LaPlante's brainchild. Uh, and we have an affiliate relationship with them and they are fantastic. And we'll actually talk a little bit about that as we go. Uh, as always, we got a panel here. We got some pretty cool people on the line here. Uh, where if you're if you're not seeing this on video, so you're just listening to it, but you have to trust me, they look really good. Uh, but we got uh, Jim Reed from Canada. Jim, why don't you say hello to the folks? Hey there, Rec Poker Nation. It is great to be here. Happy New Year. Looking forward to a big 2020. And we are coming off a big Vikings win, so we forgive Jim for wearing the Steelers hat, uh, especially <laughs> when they are home watching the playoffs. <laughs> Sorry. Maybe too, maybe too oh, soon. big burn. Too soon from Steve. <laughs> and we also have uh, Chris Jones uh, with us. Chris is our content lead for all things Rec Poker, so uh, Chris will give you a chance to give a shout out there. Hey there, Rec Poker Nation. Excited <laughs> for another year here coming up. And we're going to hear from Chris on some of the strategy stuff. He's got some uh, some interesting – he always puts out great hand history, like out in Discord. If you guys are on Discord, now check that out. Chris is a lot of times posting some interesting hands that a lot of us just kind of scratch our heads and like, yeah, what do we do in this spot? I think it brings up some good uh, some good conversation for sure. And the, the great one, uh, John Somsky, who is well-known as the nicest guy in poker, even though I still – contest that a little bit because of his uh, enjoyment of three betting me uh, but but John uh, has also joined us hey John hey well you know the nicest guy in poker I'm about making everybody happy and everybody loves when you get three bet <laughs> so in general overall that increases the overall happiness of the world <laughs> so it's sort of like a utilitarian view on three betting exactly <laughs> See, you're, you're just like next level even on that. Like you just like three bet me right there. Like I'm trying to like backhanded insult you and you raise me. Yep. <laughs> Get used to it. And then, of course, we got the, the, the great one, the Rob Washam, uh, who uh, just before we came on was doing the skull chant. Uh, welcome, Rob. <laughs> welcome, Rec Poker community. Glad to be here for 2020. Awesome. And uh, you'll hear Taylor Moss from time to time. He wasn't able to make it tonight, but he's the other one that sort of makes up this panel. But we're just, I mean, this is just, we just love hanging out, talking poker, and the chance to record it and share it with the world uh, is pretty fun for us. And we hope that we have an opportunity to meet all of you guys out there listening uh, at some point in person. Make sure you say hi to us uh, if you run into us. Uh, we, just, we just love uh, chatting poker with everybody. Uh, but, but tonight what we're going to do is uh, we're going to do a little bit of strategy discussion in a little bit. Uh, look at either some hands or some strategy from from Chris. Uh, we'll take a look at some of the upcoming guests that we have already booked for 2020. It's going to be another uh, great year of combining content with uh, guest interviews. Uh, but one of the things I wanted to start off with as we're on the precipice of a new decade and and all of this stuff is maybe just open it up to the panel here and and just put you guys on the spot a little bit. But like as you look back on 2019, 
Like, what are some of the things that stand out for you guys, either personally in the in your poker world or with rec poker? What what are some of those things that you're like, and that made that was a pretty cool year uh, in my poker world or with rec poker? Any anybody have anything on that? Well, I can say in my case, uh, a very good friend of mine and my wife conspired to uh, book a weekend Vegas next June for the WSOP and drag me down there kicking and screaming. So um, I was forced to start rebuilding my game and starting from scratch and relooking at everything from foundational uh, points. And that led me to stepping up my engagement game a little bit and getting involved with uh, the guys at Rec Poker. Um, partaking in some of their strategy discussions online. And honestly, that's been the highlight of my 2019. Now we're doing book studies and hand histories, and I'm getting so much out of it. I know it's going to put me in a much better spot when June comes around and I'm going down there to crush all those sharks in Vegas for WSOP <laughs> 2020. Love it. Chris, did you have something? Yeah, I mean, for me, the one of the highlights of 2019 has been this kind of progression for me into sort of rec poker community. I, I think um, I really made a, a goal of making um, in 2018. I really wanted to get my poker game a lot better and really ramp up how much how serious I took it, how much I studied. But it was really a solo process and uh, connecting with this community, getting involved. Uh, meeting all the people we've met, just being able to talk to people in poker rooms and talk about hands and talk about next steps and talk about ways to approach the game uh, has been really exciting. And I'm really excited to see where that takes me in 2020 as well, because it's been it's been cool so far. John or Rob, anything to add there? John? Yeah, I, uh, for me, I think the the best part of the whole rec poker community has just been st- meeting some of the fantastic individuals and getting to know them better um, and being able to share ideas. I've done a lot of reading poker books and this and that and the other thing, but it really, you have to kind of go to the next level to internalize that information and be able to use it. And I really think all of the individuals uh, involved in rec poker are helping me to become better and to do that and they're just fun to be around as well yeah love it rob yeah i just uh i love the community the ability to uh, have like-minded individuals that we can sit around and uh, bounce ideas off of and i think like to mirror what kind of what john said is a lot of things that you don't even know that you know or that you don't know (laughs) until you You bounce that idea off of somebody else and they say, oh, what about this or what about that? And you can really realize um, a lot more about the game and get a lot deeper into it. And it's just, uh, it's really improved my feeling about the game. I don't know if I'm any better or not, but I I feel better about it. (laughs) Yeah, I, man, echo all all that you guys said. I mean, the combination of the community, the the relationships. I mean, this this panel, I, I just love everybody that's been on the show, but this panel especially, I think it's such a cool collection of people who are, who are good thinkers, who are thinking about the game at a great level, um, who are willing to take a stand that's contrarian to some other people's stands, yet do it with respect and humility. I mean, that's what I love about this. Like, I just feel like it's such a great discussion. I just wish I could like talk about everything else in the world of, like at this level. Like, you know, I mean, like I want to talk about politics with five people who who are you know who you can think about the issues and not get all worked up about somebody having a different opinion or whatever. But um, but no, in the relationships, like you guys said. 
um, going to poker rooms and, and being able to have conversations that I otherwise wouldn't have been able to have. Uh, yeah, I, I just, I'm so excited about it. And it's part of it is it's um, the emails that I get from people too, that are saying, you know, I live in this area of rural, wherever, North Carolina, whatever. And they're like, you know, I just can't find people who want to learn the game. You know, I've got great friends that play the game and we all, whatever, but nobody really wants to learn the game. And so now they're connecting with what we're doing. You know, they're on Discord or on the Facebook group or they're listening to the podcast. They're like, man, there's finally a group of people that I feel like want to learn the game, uh, but not at a level that's like, you know, um, everything GTO or something. So uh, that's been super exciting. I think on a personal note, uh, you know, like like Jim said, going out to Vegas, I, I made one deep run in a bracelet event and just getting a taste for that was like, oh, let's go. Like I knew I was outclassed by the time, you know, I got to where I got to. I was outclassed. I, I knew it. That's fine. But it just gave me an incentive to be like, okay, now I got to talk to these. I got to talk to Jim and Chris and John and Robin Taylor and figure out like, how do I get better in those spots? How do I not feel overwhelmed? Um, and so, uh, yeah, really looking forward to 2020. And with that, like, yeah, anything that you guys are looking forward to in 2020 that you didn't already talk about uh, as we well, go forward? This is going to sound like a plug, but it, I mean, I've listened to a lot of podcasts and I've read a lot of books and I, I've spent time studying poker with a pen and paper and using, you know, Equilab and Flopzilla and stuff like that. And I really thought that I was getting a lot out of my study and I was becoming a better poker player and I was. But the value that I've gotten out of having these conversations with these guys and having the discussions in the um, comment sections and that kind of thing and just talking about some of the things with other people, I underestimated how much that was going to work to my benefit. And I'm, I'm, I want to take a more aggressive approach with that in 2020 and really try and explore the same things I'm exploring on my own, but just with other people. And I, I'm really looking forward to some returns on that because it's been really impressive so far. Love it. Chris. Yeah, I mean, I think um, this is also going to sound a little like a plug, but uh, maybe not. Trust me, I mean, we didn't I, plan this as a big plug, but this is why we're engaged, right? We love, yeah. we love this I mean, community. But so. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm excited about some of the conversations that we're having that I don't think everyone is aware of yet, and so like uh, yeah. some of the conversations about what we're planning for members in the coming year, um, how we're going to take um, some of these sort of like ideas, and we've done sort of more sort of disparate like things. Let's talk about this, and let, that'll be cool to talk about this and i think we're pulling something together that'll be a really coherent package of sort of uh opportunities for people to engage with us as members to um find their right footing we're planning a whole sort of series arc um where it'll might you know help you kind of raise your game to that next level whatever that next level might mean to you uh and the timing of it would be maybe going to your first WSOP or something like that. So uh, I'm, I'm really excited about that. I'm excited to have those conversations, to learn along with everybody, but also be able to sort of uh, lead a little in terms of some of the experience that we all have had in, in some of those spots as well. So uh, I, I think it's, uh, there's exciting things coming in 2020 and uh, stay tuned. Yeah, love it. <laughs> John? Well, for me, the... Uh... The, to continue the trend of not meaning to plug things, uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing how the the home game grows this season. Uh, We've yeah. had fantastic, tremendous turnout so far, uh, and I've had a blast playing them. So uh, I'm looking forward to see how that goes, how the competition shakes out. If we can get a few people vying for the player of the year, that'd be awesome. Uh, see that bounce back and forth. So I think 
that'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, and maybe if I didn't finish the first tournament in like fifth to last place, <laughs> I've, got, I, I've, got, I've got to recover a little bit. I think I was in fourth to last then because uh, I'm not sure I made it out of the first orbit. That's rough, rough start. And here we are leading rec poker. We're like, oh, but uh, we'll we'll tell you the bad beats later. But no, thanks for organizing that, John. Too, we'll talk more about that. But yeah, I, I'm really excited to see where that goes. That goes as well. That's super fun. And now with mixed games too, super cool. Rob, what do you got, man? Well, bo- well, both you guys beat me because I couldn't make it that night. I had a family thing going on. Yes. But... <laughs> yes. I'm ahead of Rob. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. You're sometimes bl- the people, everybody's ahead of me. Sometimes the people who don't show up do better than you, though. That, that, <laughs> those, are the, those are the really painful ones. I know, right? <laughs> no, I think looking forward to 2020, kind of what Chris was talking about, I think the opportunity to, to create that sort of uh, – look at how do you improve your game and trying to share that with other people. What ends up happening is as you try to do that, you, you gain more knowledge yourself. You really become a better uh, player, a better, better understanding of the material and the, and the things that you're trying to accomplish in poker. I think you get really, really a lot better when you try to show it or share it with somebody else. And I think that, that to me is a really the most exciting part of it. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, and you guys touched on everything that that I'm looking forward to. I mean, like Chris mentioned, we've had a lot of behind the scenes conversations about what we want, you know, how we want to help people grow their game in 2020. That hopefully you'll just see the fruit of that as we as we go. But you know, even even all the discussions that we've had that we've already recorded and put out there for our current members, you know, we don't have a huge membership base. It's 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 fine. It's growing, uh, but there's a lot of people that I think would love some of the content that we've had, like some of the book study stuff that we've done. We've been studying Andrew Brokus's book and, you know, uh, man, there's, there's just so much great discussion out there that I'm excited for more people to, to discover it and go like, wow, this is really helpful for my game. So a uh, combination of, of what we have in store and then people discovering what we've already done. Uh, so really looking forward to all that too. So, so good stuff. Um, let's, let's turn, Chris, did you want to, um, to, to chat a little bit of strategy or lead us in that? Uh, we've got, sure. You know, we've got hand history options. We've got whatever you want to kind of talk about. Sure. Uh, you know, there's a couple of hands that actually came up for me yesterday. One, I think, is a little bit more of an outlier, just kind of a weird situation that I didn't know what to do with. And another one is a one where uh, I think is a more common situation. So I'll start with the outlier because I think it's it's a little bit easier and quicker of a conversation. Uh, it ends by the by the flop, basically. Um, but so I'm playing a deep stack tournament running aces. Um, the blinds were at the 200, 400 level, which is the last level before antis are introduced. Um, I've got uh, 23K from a 20K starting stack. So I'm doing okay, but not not great. Um, and Under the Gum um, has 14K in chips. Um, and they limp. Um, and then under the gun one limps who has us both covered. Um, and I look down in the cutoff at ace of clubs, ace of spades, and I raised to 1800. Uh, it folds around and both under the gun and under the gun, uh, call. Um, and the flop, uh, is the king of hearts, jack of hearts and the three of spades. So there's now 6,000 in the pot. Um, it's checked to me by both of the, uh, limp callers, uh, and I continue for about 2,500 and this is where it gets weird. Um, <laughs> under the gun then shoves for 14 K or an additional, uh, yeah, I guess it was probably at that point about 10 and a half, 10 and a K. Uh, and then 
under the gun one wakes up and shoves over the top. <laughs> and I am curious about what anyone is doing in this spot. So you throw up in your mouth and then try to get into logic mode. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, and this was, uh, for those of you who don't know, this was actually out on Discord. And so there's a lot of really good, I thought, uh, discussion around that. But uh, so I've, I've opined out there. I can share my thoughts again on here. But Jim, John, Rob, any uh, any thoughts on this spot? John? Well, t- to me, the the action there seems like one of them could have uh, the first one who shoved could easily have a draw um, like the nut flush draw and just trying to shut it down there. But when the other one comes over too, that looks, it seems like one of them has to have two pair or better, uh, two pair or a set. And I, I think probably the right play at, this point seems to me like it'd be to fold. Although I've been known to get married to aces. So I don't know that I do that in game uh, when I'm, you know, in the heat of the moment, but that's kind of my take on it. Rob, what do you got? Yeah, I, I kind of agree with John there. There's, I tend to do the same thing. I'll get married to those big pocket pairs. I was, on the way home tonight, driving home, I was thinking about a situation that I got into in one of my home games where I had pocket queens and so, and I see bet on a eight high flop and somebody uh, went all in and I just just didn't even think. I just said, oh, I'm all in. Yeah, sure. He had a set of eights. I mean, come on. <laughs> you got you to understand that that they're not doing it with nothing. You know, they're they're good. They're going to have something. And Aces look really, really great until two people jam all in in front of you on the flop like that. And then I think that what you need to do is you need to step back and say, okay, these aces didn't work this time. Throw them away. I'll try next time. Yeah. And, you know, and, and you know, I ended up getting to a call in this, uh, but I didn't like it either. It, it's tough because, you know, there, there's so many draws out there. And I just don't know, you know, what are they, if they're, if they're limping under the gun or under the gun plus one, well, first of all, under the gun, if you're limping under the gun, I mean, with a monster, typically what you're doing is hoping you get a raise behind so that you can then, you know, shove in your, I mean, a 30 big blind stack, then you're going to rip it in. So for me, when they just flat Chris's raise, I just, you know, I just think they're, they're, you know, they're, they're, you you chop off the head. I think it's, it's something like, you know, a King, Queen, King, Jack you know, queen 10, I don't know, you know, some, some sort of hand like that pocket eights, you know, sort of hand that, what are they limp just calling with, with 30 bigs. So I take them off of a, a huge hand. So, you know, and then the under the gun plus one, if they have a big hand, they should be raising there. I can't imagine they would limp behind with a big hand. So, you know, I'm trying to noodle like what, what hands do they have? And it's such a wet board. I just think like that, that first player, it could, you know, certainly could be King Jack certainly could be, you know, the two pair, uh, could be, I guess, pocket threes, and they're afraid of the hearts. Um, but, but I think there's just so many draws that either of them could have. You know, the first player could have king queen. Even they're check raising king queen. Uh, could be ace king, I guess, for some reason if they're playing it really tight to the vest, king ten. So I don't think they have to have us beat there. And there's just so many draws, and the fact that Chris does not have the ace of hearts, you know, introduces these heart draws as well. So I just think there's just 
yeah, there's hands that beat us. The King Jack beats us. I don't think pocket three should really be in there. Um, so I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm torn, but I just feel like there's so many draws that I think our aces are still good here a fair amount. And if it's King Jack, obviously we still have some equity with, you know, the ace, the three or whatever comes on the turn. But maybe I, I get married to it too. I, I totally see your point with the first shover. Yeah. Because I, I think you can make, it's a very wet board. And I think you can make a very strong case for calling there. It's the second shover that really has me in a quandary because yeah. you don't overshove with a with draw. a set, oh, right? Okay. Or with the draw. I mean, you're not going to overshove with the draw there. Um, he might overshove with a set, maybe thinking he'll get you, but or yeah, I don't know. Um, I I just the second caller just screams strength to me, or the second shover rather. But, but what does he have though? I mean, you know, you can't put him on kings or queen or kings or jacks, can you? I mean. It's if he if he's if he's shoving for value, it's got to be pocket threes or king jack only, right? Yeah, but both those hands beat you. Well, they do. No, I'm saying if he shoves for value, if he shoves for value, those are the only two value hands that I could possibly put that second player on. The rest of it to me is draws or overplaying a single pair or something. Uh, I think you know. I think what John is saying though too is, yeah, the first one. The first guy could have just about anything, any two hearts, any, you know, any king high type hand, any uh, queen 10, maybe queen yeah, 10 yeah. off. You could have any of those types of hands. But when you get the second guy on top that goes all in over the top of the first. Guy, now, some one of them has to have a freaking hand that's going to beat aces is what I'm saying. I just don't, you know, somebody's going to have a hand that's going to beat aces. And if they don't, your equity is so much reduced when you have two people in the pot. Chris, Chris, do you think the second guy, like, there's there could be a player dependent read here. Do you think the second player is the one is one that sort of possible they could overplay a medium strength hand here? Like, do you think they think they're shoving a king for value here over top, and or or are they strictly beating you or bluffs at this point? The person who, so this probably lends to what Rob's saying. The person who I felt uh, is a good player, and, and I know who they are, and they're, they're, they're a good player, but they had just uh, had a couple hands right before this, had had a big stack, and had uh, a bad run out, and were down to 14K, and I thought they could have been. And we were, were just about to enter the break before it's possible to rebuy. And I thought they could have been feeling like I'm just going to get this 14k in and and see where I land. And if if I lose, I lose. I'll go rebuy. So that was one consideration I had for the under the gun player. But the under the gun one, um, I didn't think they were doing this light. But be but ultimately, uh, and I, I'd be curious what others think about what Steve was talking about because ultimately, one of the big things that uh, led to my what I was considering here was that lack of ace of hearts in my hand. Um, and the, the reason being is I felt like, you know, there is a, there are situations here where um, I think under the gun um, is maybe overplaying a pair. Um, maybe they have like Steve was saying, like King queen or King 10 or something like that. And, um, and the other player, you know, maybe they've got some kind of 
straight flush draw or something. Um, and that's ultimately where I got, uh, I got myself into a call. I'm, I'm listening to this and thinking ultimately after the fact, I think it was probably one that I should have laid down, but, um, I didn't. <laughs> well, and you're kicking yourself when he rolls over King queen there, right? Like, you know, you got a chance to triple up and, right. uh, yeah, like there's, it's not like you have no equity here. Um, right. And they have, you know, it could be that hand where they're both, you're just at that point in their ranges where they're both coming in with a draw or a, a top pair or something like yeah. that. Yeah. And now I'm, I'm curious, John, your thought when you said he, the, the under the gun one would not overshove a draw. Because I look at that and I would say, I, I would. <laughs> and I don't know if that's right or not, but like, I'm why would, to, you know, why though? I mean, you, the reason you, you shove with the draw typically is to get extra fold equity. Yeah. With someone all in, you have zero fold equity uh, against on that, that player. player. On, on that player, but I've got Chris who's C-betting. I mean, I'm trying We're, to isolate. Would, would I not be trying to isolate the under-the-gun player by Well, you by can, but then, then the only reason you'd want to shove against the first player is if you think it's a plus EV shove. And in general, a made hand is going to be ahead of your draw if you're on a draw. Mm -hmm. So in general, shoving there against an all-in already is probably not such a good play, okay. in, in my opinion. Yeah, um, draw. Right. So uh, the only way I could see it is, so let's, and, and that's what I was trying to, to say is, what draws is the under-the-gun plus one really going to shove with? I could see it if they have the ace-high uh, flush draw and they're putting the uh, first shover on tilt, which kind of goes along with what Chris said, that maybe the first shover was, so you're going to give a little less respect there. Maybe they might be doing it with something like the 8-9 of hearts, the first shover. So your ace-high flush draw, not only is it the better hand, but it's also the better draw. Then that would make a lot of sense. But... um. I just don't see a lot of people shoving over the top of a shove with just a draw. Now Wouldn't it could be with Ace King, and if if they really think the first player is that weak, so and that's a hand that Chris has beat. So you know if you think that there's a lot of possibility for that, then that would lean more towards Chris making the call. Would would any of you, if you were in this under the gun plus one spot and you have queen ten of hearts, um, would you ever find yourself? I mean, like I, I probably would be shoving there actually if I had queen ten of hearts, because I would think, okay, I got this person on tilt. Uh, you, uh, I've got a lot of outs here, and I think the stronger range and equity is in in the cutoff over there. And if I can get them out of this. And I still, and I've got chips that I've got, a, I've got a double the starting stack. Um, I'm not going to lose that much. I've, there's a lot of chips already in this pot. Um, I might find myself with a shove with that strong of a, of a hand. Well, with queen 10 of hearts, that's one of the few drawing hands where you're probably still a favorite mm -hmm. with two cards left to come. Mm -hmm. So a queen 10 of hearts, yeah, I probably would shove it. And it probably would be the right thing to do because you're actually getting your money in good there. And I think you're also getting the, the late position guy to fold top pair with that shove. Um, mm -hmm. Chris is probably folding king, queen there um, to the shove and the reshove in a way that he's not folding aces. And um, 
I, I think you like that uh, if you're in there with Queen Ten of Hearts. Well, do you want results? <laughs> Absolutely, I'm dying to know. We don't, we don't care about results here. <laughs> <laughs> so I did. I did end up calling, and uh, I have to say, like uh, again, good players. Nothing. If they are listening, nothing against you because you're all great <laughs> players. You're way better than me. You're thinking on different levels. All those kinds of things. But under the gun had kings, um, and under the gun plus one had ace ten of hearts. So uh, under the gun, had limped and called with kings and then flopped a set um, and ended up winning the hand, but no heart came. So I actually almost broke even on this hand. It was very strange. I was, I was, <laughs> um, anyway, so that's, that was that hand. Any thoughts on that? Man, I thought for sure it was going to be the next guy that had the set. I thought I had him colored for uh, pocket threes there all day. Um, the king king under the gun limp call at that stack depth With is a weird bigs. yeah like that you could you're creating a bad spr for kings if you don't get raised and then if you do get raised i i would expect that to be a a shove at that point yeah and and i mean in fact that uh saved me a lot because uh then i think under the gun one plus one is out of there um and i'm jamming and getting called and then getting sucked out with that king so um in the end this kind of weird play uh helped me out a bit yeah that's where I, that's where i was saying. like there's no way i put them on a big hand there under the gun i mean it's you know, that's stack depth because if they have a big hand i would just would fully expect there to be the limp shove you know with jacks or kings so i would never put them on jacks or kings uh in this scenario if i was you and and I don't think they have enough uh they don't have a big enough stap at the beginning to limp call with pocket threes there either, I don't think, really. Uh so and and I, I can't yeah, I, I wouldn't expect them to uh limp call with Jacks or Kings either. So I mean kudos for a well disguised hand. I think you probably make yeah. more money in the long run playing it differently, but um I mean it yeah. worked out this time, that's for sure. Um yeah. <laughs> all right, you ready for another spot? Yeah, but first of all, I mean, that's what you get for playing aces. I mean, I don't yeah. know what, I'm not sure what you're thinking. You know, you clearly haven't been paying attention to the podcast. We don't play aces around here. Yeah, that's good advice. I'll take it next time. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, don't mess me, around with that kind of garbage. Against me, fold. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so an- another um, spot, and I've got a hand that sort of is emblematic of this, uh, that I'm sort of struggling with personally. I'm, I'm finding that I'm um, finding myself in the most tough spots lately and not knowing what to do with open-ended straight draws. Um, and so, um, you know, I think there's differing uh, thoughts and conventional wisdom around how to play them. Um, but I thought we could talk through an example hand um, that kind of speaks to this and see, see what everyone thinks of them. So um, this is a hand, um, same tournament. I've uh, now grinded up uh, from, I went down to about 18 K here now back up to about 32k at the time in chips um and there is uh one uh open from the oh sorry we're at the uh 300 600 600 level um so um you know i've I've got a decent stack um we've just entered the ante levels um and again i have thirty-two thousand. um i'm playing an opponent uh who uh opens from the cutoff 
Uh, it's the only open, uh, and they open to 1500 and then uh, folds around to me in the big blind. Um, and I am holding eight, eight of clubs, seven of clubs. And uh, I call. Um, we could talk about a potential raise here, um, but um, I think this is a spot where we, we want to see this hand a lot, um, take our cheap price from the big blind and, and see a flop. What was their um, stack size relatively? Did you have them covered? Did they I have you don't covered? remember, but yeah. they had me, I, they had me covered. That's okay. all I, I know that I was, uh, I was covered, uh, not yep. by a, not by a lot though. They didn't have heaps. So yeah, some, somewhere in that 35 to 40 K kind of range. Okay. Um, and the flop comes ace of spades, uh, nine of diamonds and five of clubs. Um, so, um, Sorry, six of clubs. Okay. Six of clubs. I was going to um, say, I didn't know if you knew what an open and a straight yeah, draw yeah, was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Six of clubs. <laughs> <laughs> so it's uh, ace of spades, nine of diamonds, six of clubs. Yeah. Um, and um, I think we're we're always probably checking here, right? And yeah, like almost night. 100% of hands there probably. Okay. And then, so I do check and then um, the um, original, the cutoff uh, bets about 2,000. Um, so now, now what are you doing? Yeah, I think, I think, uh, you know, the first question I would have is, am I willing to get it in here? Uh, not that I'm going to shove, but I want to know if I'm willing to get it in because I need to know if I check raise here, what am I going to do if they come over the top again? Um, you know, and if I'm comfortable folding, that's fine too. I mean, that's, that's, that's the biggest piece of information for me. It's, if I check raise, what am I going to, how am I going to respond to their action? So that's, that doesn't answer your question, but that's kind of the biggest consideration that I would have. And, and that, that really, I think factors into the size of the check raise yep. um, because on a board like this with the high, uh, like a high and dry, um, they're going to be C betting a lot you would expect. So they have a bunch of junk in their range that they can't call uh, or three bet you with. So I don't think you necessarily need to make it a big check raise if you're, really trying to emphasize the bluff aspect of it. Um, and you don't want to commit yourself to the hand. That would be one of the player dependent uh, considerations. I think I generally like a call here. And uh, part of it is because I think just if they don't have an ace, it's going to slow them down uh, pretty big. You know, if just if you just check call, uh, if they don't have an ace, if they got pocket kings, pocket queens, whatever that is, king, queen. Uh, I think you're going to end up seeing two cards for the price of one. Uh, in this spot. Uh, and if you hit the magic turn card, I think you're going to get paid. Um, so I kind of like the call here. Part of it is is um, stack control a little bit. I feel like I'm a little bit too early to just fire away here. Um, you know, if I, if I put in the 2K and then I end up folding turn, I know that kind of sucks. I'm not applying the pressure, but I put in 1500, I put in 2000, you know, turn doesn't cooperate. And there are a lot of turns that help me like a club you know, helps me as well. So I don't have to hit the straight to be, have it be a very good turn card, but you know, I think I can feel comfortable putting in 1500, putting in 2000, you know, having 28,000 behind, uh, you know, 45 bigs or whatever, and and then having the full turn. And I don't, I don't feel devastated by that versus if I check raise and then he comes in again, now I'm starting to decide my playing for my stack here. I put in 7,000 or whatever out of my 32 K starting and I don't even get to see a river, you know, mm -hmm. That's kind of a bummer for me. Or I'm playing for stacks at that point. That's my thought. But I don't, I'm I'm kind of with you a little bit. Like I'm not sure. I hate playing out of position. So let's start there. 
So let's let's find what, how aggressive is this uh, opponent? How how aggressive has he been? They've been very very active. Um, okay. Not a lot of stuff has been shown down, so I'm not. And it's a player I uh, I don't know at all, so not a lot uh, has been shown down. I'm not sure if it's uh, just the you know deck is hitting him in the face or um, they're just a very you know become a very active player. But that's about all I can I know about them at this point. Have you have you seen him react to a uh, a check raise before? No. Okay, so you don't just, have really any information about what how his reaction would right. has been in the past on that. So I guess right now you have to take a stand. If you do if you do check raise him, and he continues, then you're going to probably have to give up the hand unless you absolutely hit your your straight on the turn. So this is a one and done type of situation. You're either going to he's either going to fold or you're, he's going to call your check raise, and then if you don't hit on the turn, you're done with the hand, or he's not going to just call your check raise. He's going to raise over the top of your check raise. Then you're done with the hand. Either way, you're done with that hand unless you hit your straight. So in Steve's scenario, you're taking the opportunity to potentially get uh, one or two, ex- you know, that extra card on the river by just calling at this point. So, Robert, let me ask you this, because this is a situation, too, where, like, if I do that check raise and we get flatted, and um, I understand, like, hey, if we hit a straight, we're, we're, we're obviously going with this. Um, but some of the times where I feel like thrown by a loop is in this situation where um, the turn is a club or the turn is an eight or the turn, you know, and now I'm, I've, I've got either a lot more equity or I've got a lot more, you know, I've, now I've got some showdown value. Um, what's your, what's your take when you kind of, when those situations sort of crop up? Yeah. Well, I know what I've done in the past when I've uh, felt that, that aggression monster come out of me when I get a little something, something, and I, you know, I don't make the hand that I'm, I'm repping to begin with, but when I get a little something, something, I'm liable to go back and, and fire that bullet on the turn. Mm-hmm. Um, because I'm feeling more confident now. I I've got a number of cards on the river that can help me. It's not, I'm not just looking at that open-ended straight draw anymore. I could, I could get two pair. I could, you know, like there's, there's more opportunity there. I've got more out, so to speak. So I feel a little more, I can feel, I can be a little more aggressive on the turn. Uh, now it can come back to bite you. Obviously if he's sitting there with pocket aces and he's got a set, he's not going anywhere. So you have to be careful, you know, it could backfire on you, but this is another opportunity to potentially uh, uh, get some chips and get him to fold a better hand. I play mostly online and uh, one of the HUD stats that I use a lot, um, I've got one that is full to flop bet and that's right next to full to turn bet and uh, ditto for raises. And so this would be a pre-player dependent call for me if if and same with same with donks and check raises like if if you know that they've been check raised seven times and they've folded seven times um, that just really informs that decision on the flop but if they call check raises and fold to turn continuation bets um, you know this is almost the, the hand almost sort of like plays itself from that point you might even check if you pick up a lot of equity on the turn um, because he's going to fold 
uh, some of his second best hands that might uh, catch up with you or, well, not quite, hopefully, uh, by the time the hand's over. Um, so I, I still struggle with how to incorporate live stats and live reads into this kind of player-dependent stuff. But online, um, this would be like a HUD, a HUD play for me. And I think it's, you know, it's complicated a little bit by, you know, if they have like, say, kings or queens or jacks, you know, if you check raise them, a lot of players, probably myself included, I'm not necessarily going to just fold flop there, you know, but if the guy fires turn again, then I might fold my queens, you know what I mean? So that's the piece too, where, you know, if you don't have the aggression, if you sort of just check, you know, you check raise and then you're going to check turn, you know what I mean? Like, at what point do you continue the, the line that says I've got two pair or a set or an ace and you should fold? You know, because that, that's how I hate that spot where I feel like, okay, they got the ace, the gig is up, then we get the showdown and they have pocket, you know, I hit the eight like Rob said, and then they have pocket queens. I'm like, God, dang it, if I would have fired again, you know, I'm going to get them off of that. So that's the, to me, that complicates it as well, you know, when we decide to sort of go into give up mode or more of a passive mode at least. So I think we've we really clarified for you, Chris. Yeah, yeah, no, I know exactly what to do next time. So I, in in this uh, situation, I did uh, I did end up um, uh, putting in uh, a check raise. Um, I I put in um, just a three x check raise. I, I'm thinking I probably should have done a little bit more in this situation, but so I put in for six thousand, um, and a uh, player called me. Um, and the turn was a two of spades. Are we just in check give up mode now, as Rob had mentioned? <laughs> Rob, you're muted right now. Yeah, I think there you want to you want to check and hope to get a check back. Because you showed a lot of strength on the flop by check raising him. Um, obviously, he called so. Um, there's no no harm in checking back if he comes out firing again. You're you're looking at very little equity at that point in time, and you can probably get away from your hand. Yeah, and that that's where that's where the tricky part is. You know, I I tend to agree that that's the line, uh, but that is where you know do you put a little quarter size pot bet out there, maybe to you know to attack those ace you know or to attack his you know pocket kings, pocket queens, pocket jacks that you think will fold to a you know, to a check raise and then a, a turn continuation. One thing that's really interesting about that little blocker bet on the turn is that it also caps their range for the river. So it sets up a spot where you can actually bluff the river much more efficiently uh, from out of position because you've got this extra information about the strength of their hand. Um, I, playing out of position is a lot harder, yep. <laughs> as we're seeing with all of these. Um, the the only it's one of the I don't really like that little blocker bet like that typically like that little stab bet but in a spot like this if they don't raise you I think that tells you a lot about their hand and then you can decide on the river there's a lot of hands there's a lot of cards that are going to come on the river that are going to be good bluffing candidates for you here yeah and I like I do like it better if the you know if the turn if we pick up equity with the turn whether it's a eight or a seven or a club I do like it better then. Um, but, um, I think it might be worth attacking a player that's going to be a little sticky with jacks on the flop, you know, and then willing to release them on the turn. Well, funny, <laughs> you should, funny, you should mention these situations. Cause that's, I did do that. I, I put out, um, uh, a smaller bet, 
uh, I put out a bet of about uh, twenty eight hundred, um, and I was called. <laughs> and the river. And speaking of a hand that may, then this is this is where I think this the question. Like, so if I'm doing that, am I trying? Am I doing it to set up? You know, on, on an advantageous card, am I doing that to set up? some big river bluff if i don't hit my straight or something like that and so the river is the third spade it's the queen of spades Hmm. so we we have a final board of ace of spades nine of diamonds six of clubs two of spades queen of spades and again i have ace of or eight of clubs seven of clubs so i've got eight high about the worst hand i could possibly have um and uh, am, am I just uh, waving the white flag, or do I go for it? What what's was the one? Was the flush uh, was the flush draw there on the flop or only on the no, turn? It's a, it's a back door. Yeah, so you couldn't have check raised the flush draw on the flop. So that right. makes that makes it a kind of less attractive uh, bluffing candidate on the river. I don't know. <laughs> Our silence is deafening. Well, the only thing you could represent there is is an ace something, like an ace nine. You know, maybe you got two pair and uh you're you know, you're you wanna just hold it back until you get to the river and you and the board runs clean. You're not worried about a backdoor flush draw from the original um razor, right? So maybe maybe you're still representing that two pair hand and you can get them off of a and like uh, tens, jacks, queens, kings, something like that. Um, if he doesn't have an ace, if he has an ace, you're you know you're betting right into his strength, and he's probably not going to fold. Yeah, I think that's part of the consideration. Is is this person ever folding ace ten? You know, is, he, is it the type of person that's ever going to fold an ace ten type of hand? Uh, if not, then you know I think that's a good that's a chunk of their range, for sure. Uh, that kind of a hand. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's it's how much of your stack do you want to barrel off for this for this pot? You know, uh, that those are tricky spots. Yeah, and the chips you lose are worth more than the chips of what you win, right? So you got to be you got to be pretty sure because it's going to have to be chunky, right? It's going to have to be a pretty yeah. chunky riverbed that you're you're really going to represent some sort of a hand like queen nines or you know pocket sixes that you got a little creative with. Or I mean, you're you're representing those sorts of hands because the draws just didn't get there. Um, you know, other than the backdoor spades, which I just don't think they're going to put you on. Yep. Well, so I, I, this is that, this is that situation. Where I, I waved the white flag here. Yeah. Uh, I, I think, I don't know if that's the, I mean, I think once I make that little small blocker bet, I think that it maybe is if I make that decision, I need to follow through on the river with a big chunky bet. But um, I did wave the white flag and I kicked myself because they turned over tens. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I think I could have got them off pretty that. Um, pretty easily so. yeah i mean the, the queen is a good card for you if that's where they're at but i mean it's it's tens and jacks like if they're getting sticky with kings they're going to probably call you with kings on the river so it's like tens and jacks like the pair that they have that you can push them off and that's a small part of probably their overall range i think but yeah bummer right <laughs> <laughs> well should we should we move on with the rest of the uh rest of the agenda i see we've been joined by uh, taylor moss welcome taylor We've uh, done a little bit of a little strategy stuff. We're just going to now just go into some of the stuff that's coming up this year and kind of talk through some of that. But but welcome aboard, young man. Thanks. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you as well. I was kind of hoping you'd be wearing your alien hat. 
Oh, it's not an alien. It's a turtle, but um, no, I'm not wearing it. Is that only for the for the tables at the felt? Uh, yeah, when I'm out and about, you know. And I'm no, sorry, I'm, I'm sitting at home. I feel bad that I mistook your turtle for an alien. That's okay. <laughs> Am I the first one to ever do that? Um, I probably think you might be. <laughs> but that's we'll just because no one asked it. me about it. <laughs> well, I, I'm intrigued by the little things. All right, so so looking forward now to uh, to 2020. Um, <clears throat> one of the things that that uh, we got coming up, uh, as we already mentioned, we're not really going to be doing the video recording a lot. Uh, we'll probably choose our time here and there to uh, to do some of the video recording, but we'll be on podcast. But um, we've started reaching out to some guests uh, for 2020. I know uh, a number of folks have been on the podcast in the past, and I think some of the cool things with some of the guests we've had have sort of opened doors for some other people. So I wanted to share this with you guys. Uh, we got some dates set. We're probably not going to share those because uh, we got the Maria Ho syndrome here where we've scheduled and had to reschedule. And we don't want to have you guys marking your calendars for certain dates. But um, actually, and I will say next week, we actually have John Redding uh, scheduled. John uh, is known by you Minnesota folks. Uh, he's a World Series of Poker bracelet winner from four or five years ago. Uh, and he's actually uh, been playing quite a bit locally. And he's actually opening up his own um, psychology practice. And so we're going to talk a little bit about uh, how does that flow into poker, kind of the poker mindset stuff and some of the things that John has going on. So I, have any of you guys ever played with John or played much with John? Any of the panelists? No? I've played against him a couple of times and uh, he's a good player. His yeah. reputation is well earned. Yeah, and just a super nice guy. Just one of those one of those guys that just, you know, is a fantastic dude. So we'll be chatting with him. We also just today got uh, confirmation from Ed Miller, uh, who is a pretty famous poker author. Uh, he has not been on the podcast before, so I'm excited to have him join us. Now, Chris, you referred to him as the godfather. Uh, just kind of on the GTO <laughs> level, he's, you know, it, it, that book kind of helped shape the shape the whole the whole genre of it. Yeah. And have you, any of you guys sort of, have you guys been Ed Miller students? I know some of you guys are pretty avid readers. Rob, I see you shaking your head. Yeah, yeah I've had, I've got a couple of his books. Um, very good. The more recent books is the ones that he's uh, best known for now. I think one called The Course. The Course, and, yep. And, and I can't remember what the, there's another one too that's pretty popular these days. But yeah, he's been around forever and ever back in the Sklansky Malmuth days. He's yeah. He's been around since then. So, yeah, um, excited to talk to him. Yeah, and then uh, Darrow Kearney, uh, who I know a number of you folks have have read his book on satellite poker. I know Rob has, has read that. I think other, other views, others of you have also read that book, but he's well known for, for that book. Uh, and then Kale Cleeton, um, who some of you know, uh, he's actually a really, he's a genius, basically. Um, and he has partnered with Ryan LaPlante, and they do some work together on on some of Ryan's Learn Pro Poker, but KL has actually uh, created this tool, uh, Range Trainer Pro, you can find it at rangetrainerpro.com, and he's actually uh, graced us with, with a subscription to that, so we can check out the tool uh, in advance of that conversation. It looks really cool. I don't know if uh, Chris or Jim, if you guys have had a chance to look out there, but it's pretty cool. Uh, you know, it's got ranges for all different positions, sort of what you should be opening with. And then he's got built into it uh, where you can actually quiz yourself. So you can actually choose your position or you can make it random. 
uh, hands pop up. You can do like 50 different uh, scenarios and decide, you know, should you be opening or folding here? Uh, and it'll actually give you your score and kind of keep track for you. So it looks pretty cool, and I'm really excited to, to chat with him about that. Yeah, he's a pretty cool guy, too. Um, he kind of has a really monotone voice, but he's also got a really cool sense of humor. Uh, so sometimes you may miss some of his jokes, but I, I find him as a, a, a hilarious guy and really smart at the, the whole poker stuff. So where, where have you connected with him? Just through like YouTube or have you actually connected uh, in person? Or? He's uh, with Ryan LaPlante on the Learn Pro Poker stuff. Yeah. Uh, so he he helps out with a lot of stuff on there. Um, you see him on there and I'm on Learn Pro Poker. So uh, just get a little bit of exposure with him. He's a really smart guy. Um, and I, I think he's really funny too. Awesome. Yeah, I'm excited to have him on. So, so both Dara and KL are, and KL are scheduled in February. Uh, at some point. And then we're going to welcome back Jen Shahadi, uh, who has her podcast, The Grid. Uh, and she's going to be joining us in March and also with Zach Elwood, uh, who is, who's been on the show a couple of years ago, kind of early on. Uh, and he gave us a bunch of books too. He's, he's really well known for his physical tells, uh, verbal and, um, and physical, I guess. He- I'm really looking forward to that one in particular. Like I say, I play mostly on live, and so I've got a lot of work to do on tells, both picking them up on other people and not giving them off myself and balancing my own tell ranges and that kind of thing. And I'm going to get a lot out of that. I hope He's got a great video series out as well that uh, goes through all the stuff in his books, and uh, you can learn a lot from that. That's going to be a great interview. And some of you guys listen to Jen's The Grid, right, quite a bit? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great one too. It's a yeah, good I'm, mix of some strategy chat and some uh, uh, like conversational anecdotal stuff about poker and life and poker. Yep. Yeah, I'm, I'm up to date on it. <laughs> how far into the how far into the grid is she? I know she's like trying to cut, handle like all 169 hands, right? Is that kind of the right. the deal? <laughs> she's got a long way to go. <laughs> yeah, and she's, she's less than 20, I think, so far. Oh, okay. Yeah. And she's taking it in the order of the of the guests, not in the order of the hands. So there's not right. a systematic uh, approach to the grid. But um, it's been it's been a lot of fun to see some of the hands that these people pick uh, coming into it because they're not always ones that you'd think would be the most strategically insightful. But uh, they always mm-hmm. find to get they always tend to get at something about some aspect of the game they were playing or the people they were playing against or something in their lives that made it interesting. So it's a good it's definitely a good follow. Yeah, John, did you have something there? I was just going to say it's a great podcast as well. I really enjoy that one. And she comes from a a strong chess background too. So talking about, you know, strategy and thinking ahead. I mean, she's one of the foremost experts and we'd love to have her on. And then uh, in April, we will circle back with Matt Berkey, uh, who we've had on a couple of times. Uh, He leads the solve for why effort and people have always really enjoyed his interviews. I think he's one of those guys that, you know, is is a brilliant mind for poker, but also, uh, just has interesting insights and approaches to how he how he perceives life as well. Uh, so I think he's a he's a pretty cool interview as well. And then uh, then we've got Ryan Laplante, Alec Torelli, Maria Ho, uh, others who have committed to coming on the show. We just haven't quite booked their dates yet. So uh, it's looking like it's a pretty fun some fun guests. And I know uh, one of the things that I've enjoyed that we've been doing recently is just our own listener Q and A's and our own panel discussions too. So I think we'll we'll try to keep mixing those in. Uh, as well, because I think it's great for us to hear from the listeners and hear what uh, what questions all of you have. 
and then do our best to try to uh, wrestle with those and then bring some of those to these uh, these experts and get their opinions as well. So looking forward to that list. So you guys on the panel, you guys out there in, in the podcast world, if you have other ideas on who we should bring on the show, if you have connections with some of those folks, uh, let us know. Make the connection. Uh, we'd love to chat with as many people as possible. I think it just brings a new, uh, a kind of a cool, diverse uh, perspective on the world of poker. And then uh, some other things coming up for 2020. And this is uh, one of the things that Chris kind of hinted at earlier that we wanted to make sure that you guys were aware of. It's as we're going into the year, we're really being strategic around how do we provide content both through the podcast, but also through our membership base. We have a, we have a membership site. You go to rec.poker, you can get all the details, uh, 10 bucks a month, you become a member, get all these uh, benefits, including all this great content and discussions and all sorts of things. Uh, but one of the things that we've really been looking at is how do we, how can we build like monthly seminars that really have a, a strategic edge to them that move us toward something? So I don't know, Chris, do you want to talk a little bit about uh, what we've got planned for 2020 as we move into the summer and, and kind of leading up to the summer? Yeah, I mean, I guess the the impulse behind this was the the idea of a player who's you know very comfortable at their in their bar league or their local home game or at the sort of lower stakes uh tournaments in their card room or playing a little online but who want to uh move up a little bit in stakes and take a shot at at a at a bigger multi-day tournament a bigger field tournament um and partic- and with maybe a site on going to the WSP, but maybe not maybe some other big opportunity like that that they want to take a crack at and the way we kind of were thinking about it was uh sort of parceling out or chunking out the monthly seminars and topics as sort of some key ways to kind of prepare yourself for that um and so uh we've got a kind of a, a map in place right now i think um february i think we're thinking about talking about some of the the really core basics to get down uh you know stacks position ranges some of those kinds of things um in uh in march i think we're thinking about talking about player typing ranging and um you know a few other things and then in april i think what we want to talk about um, a lot is some of the bet sizing, GTO, some of the more like nitty gritty math fundamentals of the game. And then in May, uh, talking about um, tournament stages and approaching large field tournaments. Um, and maybe also some conversation about specifically approaching the WSOP and some tips on where to find the least crowded bathroom and those kinds of things as well. <laughs> right. So, um, but that's kind of the, the loose plan we've got in place. We're going to be trying to, uh, flush that out a bit as, uh, we talk and, um, think about the coming months, but I'm really excited about it. I think it, it leads us down a clear path for where rec poker is going for what it's sort of um, aiming at. And, uh, and we're, we're really open to sort of feedback too. So we're looking for ideas from, from people, um, things they want to hear from us on those topics um, as we, as we kind of build these things. Yeah. I, I'm really excited about it. I think it's going to be a really cool combination of improving our game to advance, to move from, you know, playing, like you said, 30 or 40 person tournaments to 2000 person tournaments or well, it's a different sort of thing, multi-day tournaments. And so, Part of it is to improve our skills. Part of it is to just get us comfortable in that. What do we expect? And and I think a number of us have been out in Vegas. We can explain some of that. We'll bring on guests to explain some of that. 
and like you said, just sort of the hints around the World Series or playing any other sort of large field tournament. And and I think uh, Chris has done a lot of thinking about this, and I'm really excited to kind of see how you how you prepare us for that. And just to be clear, it's you know that that sort of stuff we'll we'll try to integrate into the podcast. Uh, we'll try to integrate into the Discord the Discord conversations we have, but also actually for our members, actually creating a seminar every month, like literally like an online video seminar where it'll go through these things like, you know, in February, the basics, the stack sizes, all these things, and then kick off that month with the seminar, give you a month as a member to digest all of that information, to hear the supplemental stuff that we have going on, and then have a live Q&A at the end of the month uh, with the panel to talk through um, all of those things or what questions do you have from the seminar and really make it an opportunity for you to learn where it's not just receiving a video, it's an opportunity to actually talk about it. And so I think it's, I think it's a really cool model, uh, frankly, that I'm really excited about. And then, uh, so in addition to like the monthly seminars, uh, also continuing, uh, we're doing in the, we're in the middle of the Andrew Brokus book study now. Uh, so that's going to continue. If you're a member, you can jump into those conversations. We record them. I uh, would make them available to you. I think we have, we spent the last two on chapter five, I believe. Uh, it's just such a rich book and great discussion. We'll have chapter six coming up, chapter seven coming up. Uh, I think those are coming up actually on Wednesday nights uh, in the near future here. Uh, and then we'll continue to talk about hand histories. Uh, we play these home games, uh, which I'll have John ch chat about that a little bit, but some of us actually record our thoughts while we're playing the home games. And we make that available as well because I think some people really find that interesting to see how we're thinking about it as we're actually playing. But maybe, John, do you want to talk a little bit about um, the, these home games? I know a lot of the folks out there already know about them, but maybe uh, get some of our listeners up to speed on what we have going this year. Yeah, so the the home games are kind of serving a few different purposes. One is it gives you a chance to play games, uh, particularly the mixed game series we have games you're not used to where you don't have to risk a lot of money. Uh, and the thing I like about these home games is because we have the player of the year point series, even though there's no money at stake, people still tend to take it seriously. So you, you're going to, it's not the same as playing for real money, but it's a lot closer than anything else you're going to find. Mm. And uh, so I'm really looking forward to that. And then we'll also have the no limit series that will allow everyone to buy for the player of the year points race there. And we're working on getting some type of a, a playoff for the uh, top players in that points race, or if you won one of the standard uh, tournaments throughout the year. So I think it'll be a, a great place to have bragging rights. It'll be a great place to have fun with people who are excited about playing the game uh, and a great place to meet the rest of the rec poker community yeah i love it i just love that you're doing this john it's super cool so like the first the first wednesday correct me if i'm wrong on any of this but the first wednesday of every month we do the no limit hold'em tournament it starts at eight o'clock central time first wednesday every month and john keeps track of everything he puts the spreadsheets together we post it out on the rec.poker website the the results are already out there for january you can check out who finished where and we'll have cumulative results and everything uh that's super fun and then and i know you've got a your formula for points that includes square roots so i get all excited about that and then <laughs> and then uh the second wednesday of every month at eight o'clock central we kind of blocked that eight o'clock central wednesday nights as our interactive time slot uh, for different things 
And uh, that's our mixed games. And John has the whole schedule out on the website too. So this Wednesday, which is two nights from when we're recording this, uh, we're going to be doing Pot Limit Hold'em and Pot Limit Omaha. And I'm just, man, I'm excited to learn all these games. Uh, and I think John set up a really cool schedule. So it sort of moves uh, in, in variability, I guess, as you go forward. Like some of the more uh, nuanced games are a little bit later in the schedule. So go to rec.poker, go to the home games tab, all the standings, all the schedule, everything is out there. And John's keeping track of it all. And yeah, like he said, man, player of the year, uh, player of the month. Uh, I know Taylor has won one. I took second in one. I was so frustrated because I wanted to have the little trophy next to my name like Taylor does. Uh, I failed. But, uh, you know, we're, we're talking about actually like having award pins or doing something fun uh, to recognize the winner. So we have those bragging rights. But uh, John has done a tremendous job putting this all together. And uh, it's super fun. I don't know if anybody else has anything else to offer on uh, on that. Well, if I can get out of the first orbit on uh, <laughs> February, that would be an advantage. But it, it has been great fun. And uh, in the in the last few in 2019, um, you just get to chatting with other people at the table and, oh, where are you from? And, you know, it's nice to... Uh, I did feel like I got to know some of the people and um, we've even carried that on in some of the discussions in the Mighty Networks uh, 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 personal message forum and stuff like that. So it's been great for that. I, I've never played any mixed games. So easy money on Bluff Storini if me you either. see him <laughs> on uh, the second Wednesday of every night. Come and teach me something because I'm going to need to learn a lot of lessons. Yeah, look for that Bluff, Bluff Storini tag with the Canadian flag. And that's Jim, and that's where the easy money's at. <laughs> that's it. Come get it. <laughs> you know what always happens is the first time you play a mixed game, that's the one you win. So, oh, good. Excellent. You know, There's going to be a lot of winners on Wednesday. A lot of winners. <laughs> Jim and I are going to be heads up. <laughs> <laughs> well, good stuff. And then uh, other stuff we have, we're have we thinking about for 2020, and I know it's kind of a, getting to be a little bit of a longer episode, but we just wanted to, to share some of this stuff. Uh, we're just so more. damn excited. What can it, we say? You know, it is. Like, this is the Cliff's Notes version of all the stuff that we've been thinking about, right? I mean, we've had so many conversations about what, what do you guys want? You know, you guys are gracious enough to send me emails, send me feedback. Uh, that all helps, so keep that coming. Uh, but we do have a, a live seminar. Uh, we're actually proposing, I, I think I'm going to go ahead and share it, even though it's not finalized. Uh, we're proposing, proposing a rec poker day at Running Aces. So obviously, for those of you who are international and outside of Minnesota, it doesn't really apply. But for those of you who are in the cities, we're looking at February 29th. It's a Saturday. At minimum, we're going to be doing a seminar before the 6 o'clock tournament. Uh, we'll be doing some play and learns. We'll have some of our content running on TVs. It'll be a great chance to meet some of us uh, that are on the podcast. So come out for that. But we're actually hoping to do a full day where it starts with get the $2 breakfast and takes us all the way through the six o'clock tournament. And you can kind of jump in there whenever you can. So save the date if you can. February 29th, uh, we'll come back with some more details on that. Uh, a few of us have been experimenting. Oh, Chris, did you have something? Go ahead. Yeah, I just want to say it's leap day too, so you have no excuse. Yes. Everyone gets an extra day. Just come out to Running Aces. It's February 29th. You have no excuse. You, this it's is an extra day, day of the year. Yeah. Tell your spouse, tell your family that this is an extra day, so poker doesn't even count. So it's, it's a free day. Very good point. Uh, it's more memorable, right? Uh, February 29th. Um, and then uh, a few of us have been toying with this we're sort of calling a poker rec poker out loud. It's kind of like the a spinoff of the solve for why stuff, but uh, we're actually playing on poker stars and we're, we're sort of figuring out a way where we can actually all uh, discuss our, our hands in real time uh, without each other seeing each other's hands or anything. Um, and then actually being edit to be able to edit that back down into a single 
file, a single video where you hear everybody talking about their hands and it works. Uh, so we're really excited about that. I think it has a ton of potential to be a lot of fun and a great learning tool. And these play and learns, I mentioned it with the live seminar. Uh, I know a number of you guys on the panel have, have done these things. They're super fun. They're super engaging where, you know, somebody deals out the cards in different situations. We actually play it. And then afterwards, we all flip over our cards and we talk about, you know, why'd you do that? Oh, why'd you do that? And it's just been super fun, a great way to get to know people and a great learning experience. So those are some other things uh, that we've been thinking about. Uh, you know, we, we talked about the home games. That's going to be awesome. Uh, also, we talked about building up to uh, Las Vegas with the content side. We're actually in conversations that those have sort of started now about uh, doing some meet and greets out there at the World Series. Uh, so I've gotten some good feedback from people that have said, hey, here's a good place that you could do this. But, but it'd be fun to, who's ever out there, you know, have a meet, have a meet and greet or a meetup, uh, one or two of those. We're out in Vegas. I know several of us are going to be out there at different times. And uh, so we're working on that. If you have ideas, uh, let us know. But uh, we, we just love meeting people. I mean, hopefully you can pick up on that. Like all of us on the panel, we're like, I love poker, but I love people. Let's all get together and talk poker. Uh, two of the greatest things, like it's like chocolate and peanut butter combining people and poker. It's fantastic. Maybe we could even get a Discord channel going uh, about plans for WSOP 2020. If people want to pitch some ideas or recommend some venues or talk about dates or that kind of thing, um, that could be a nice way for us all to keep in touch. Yeah, that would be really good. And if you have ideas, man, get them out there through Discord or whatever. And it's going to be quite a sweat this year because we've got a ton of people now that are like going to be sharing what they're doing on Vegas. So it's going to be fun to, to see rec poker all over the place out there. Um, I guess anything else from you guys on what's coming up in 2020? Anything else that we didn't talk about that you want to share? All right. Well, we'll wrap this up kind of quickly here with just uh, some of our, it's not housekeeping because this is important, uh, but a few of our announcements uh, for, for our sponsor running aces. Uh, we haven't met for a few weeks, so we've got some players of the week. Uh, go out to their Twitter, go out to their Facebook. You can see all of these. They list all of the people for every week. So I'll just call out the, the one player of the week, the top point earner for each of the last few weeks. We've got Bill Reuter, uh, known as Kodiak, for those of you who play at Running Aces. Uh, the week of December 9th, he took down the crown. Trent Colden, in the week of December 16th. Darius Rogers, the week of the 23rd. And Daryl Winningstad, who's just on a tear right now, uh, he uh, was player of the week with a ton of points, 52 points uh, for the week of December 30th. And if you don't know how this works at Running Aces, if you're local, like you get points for finishing the, for playing, you get points for final tabling, they increase as you go. And then you, the top four point earners get five bucks per point as a bonus. So like Daryl picked up 260 bucks uh, just as a bonus in tournament lammers last week. So that's kind of fun. Uh, we've had some binks. You know, it's been a while since we've been out here, so I'll scroll through these pretty quick. Mike Confer, fantastic. Uh, he's part of Rec Poker Nation. Damn, uh, Mike Confer, make it rain, man. Right? Way to go. That's fantastic. <laughs> he did, yeah. Sir Mike EC on Twitter turned uh, 280 bucks into over 20000 bucks at the cold hard cash at Running Aces. Uh, I got lucky enough to donk my way into winning one. Uh, Jack Burke and Jill Burke were out in Vegas. Uh, they played the $140 daily tournament out there. So Jack wins it one day. Jill takes second the next day. Jill made more money though. So <laughs> too bad, Jack, but fantastic showing by the Burks out there. And, and Jill was actually one, uh, I think our November or December uh, online tournament, Illy Chippies. Uh, oh, she's so one of those people that I've been chatting with on the table. She's a lot of fun. Uh, shout out yeah. to Jill. That's great. Way to go, Illy Chippies. 
Yeah, she's the, well. She's the one that her queen six beat my pocket kings heads up for the championship. Uh, he's not bitter though. You can tell. You can tell <laughs> in his bitter. voice. He's not bitter. No, no, no. Uh, and then uh, Colin Anderson, congrats to you, man. Seventy-five bucks into six hundred. Andrew Feist, thirty bucks into four hundred. Grandpa George Sanford somehow. Uh, who hates Ace King, by the way. Uh, George Binked won, 50 bucks into 542. And Pat Berry, shout out, uh, Taylor mentioned Learn Pro Poker. He's out there. Uh, so Ryan LaPlante on this Learn Pro Poker does a, he's got a challenge going on. And maybe Taylor can talk a little bit about that. But uh, Pat Berry won the first month of this $10,000 main event competition. So Taylor, what, what is that deal? Do you play that one? Yeah, so he's putting on a thing for five months. Uh, so this was just the first month. Um, but five months, the top 20 point earners in a given month qualify for um, a weekend of tournaments. And so 20 each month, it's going to get down to 100 people. And then of that 100 people, they'll have a weekend of tournaments, get down to a final eight. And then the final eight are going to compete on a single table tournament for a main event seat that Ryan slash Learn Pro Poker are going to be funding. Funding, so you get a fifty-fifty stake in the main event if you find your way through for this. So um, Pat Barry has got at least a one percent chance of doing that now because he's locked up his <laughs> spot uh, for the next round. Love it, way to go, Pat, man! And so Taylor, do you play that too? Um, I'm just trying to this month. So last month uh, with holidays and all that stuff, I knew I wasn't going to yeah. be able to dedicate the time to go for it. Um, but I'm going to try and qualify this month. All right. Well, good luck, man. Thank you. All right. And then just a couple other things. So our NFL survivor pool wrapped up. Uh, Alejandro Casas and Kevin Kelsenberg both busted uh, in, the, in the same week. So they are our co-champions. So congrats to those guys. And just a reminder, there's a ton of ways to, to connect with us. I know, again, this is, felt like a lot of announcements, but a lot of stuff going on. Uh, just go to rec.poker. Everything is out there, uh, including uh, links to Discord, which is our kind of our live chat group chat sort of um, discussion area. Uh, we've got our email newsletter. So if you're not, if you're not getting emails from me like once a week or so, and you want to, uh, you can go to rec.poker and sign up for that, or just let me know, email me, Steve at rec.poker. Uh, we'll get you on the list. I've been calling it twerp, which I don't know if I love that, but it's, it's this week in rec poker. Uh, so that's what twerp stands for. Uh, John, did you have something? Oh yeah. I just thought adding to the banks, uh, Steve Olson won our first, uh, home game uh, last Wednesday. So I thought we should mention that he actually won the very first event of the year. Yeah, we should mention that. You know, Steve, you know, I don't know if we should mention Steve or not, but all right. He's a very a great guy. So yeah, thank you, John. Uh, I hadn't updated my PowerPoint on that. Uh, Steve, it was unintentional, uh, but thank you, John, for calling that out. Yeah, his screen name I didn't recognize. So I saw who won it. And then he's like, oh, that was me. I'm like, sweet. Uh, so, yeah, congrats to Steve Olson for taking that down. And then uh, congratulations in advance to John Somsky for winning the mixed games uh, two nights from tonight. So congratulations, John. Uh, in hopefully that, that is true. <laughs> yeah, hopefully we have a good turnout. I think it's going to be fun. John, I want to be watching your recording from yes. this Wednesday. I'm going to pick up a lot, I think. So I hope you're able to get the camera on. Yeah, well, one of the things is PLO, which is what this is, is my weakest game of all of the, the mixed games. So I'll probably have more to offer later, but I will certainly try to do what I can. 
Awesome. And I'll, I'll be recording mine, which is going to sound like complete gibberish. No, no, this one, I should be okay. I played some PLO and I think Pot Limit Hold'em has some nuances, but I think I'll be okay on that one. But I think as we get into some of these drawing games, uh, it's going to be super interesting. Uh, and just a reminder too, if you, you know, sweatshirts, hats, we sold out of our sweatshirts right away, but we're ordering more. So uh, let me know if you want a sweatshirt. Uh, if you want a hat, uh, let me know in that deal too. Uh, but finally, uh, we'll just check out right there. Uh, if you want to help us out, like, rate, review us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, uh, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, go out there. Uh, I post a weekly article from 888 Poker. Go out there and like and retweet that sucker. If you're looking for ways to help us out, uh, those are a couple of easy ways uh, that you could do that and then just let some other uh, folks know. But with that, uh, any any final words, panelists? You guys got anything after this super long podcast? All right. Uh, we'll let you go. But special thanks, Running Aces Racetrack and Casino and Hotel. I'm sorry, race Running Aces now with their hotel opening, uh, I think, in March. I think. I'm not sure what the final date is, but uh, I'll have to start changing that to the Running Aces Racetrack, Casino, and Hotel uh, for sponsoring us and also uh, Learn Pro Poker. So uh, thank you, guys, and we will talk to you later.